That right there will just get you fired up. Amen. God's grace will always be greater than sin. That's not just a song. There's, that, is a, that is a truth straight out of the gospel, straight out of the word of God, that His grace is sufficient and His grace will always be greater. I so appreciate our choir and our time of praise and worship. And I'm just going to tell you, I love starting a service with baptism. Uh, first of all, whether I remember to bathe or not, it's not an issue. You know, I, I can get in there and, and have my Sunday bath. Amen. Oh, y'all know me better than that. So we're still in our sermon series or we're back to heartbreak, heartache and humility, a study of the book of Job. We're wrapping up. We've just got a couple of Sundays left before we get into Job chapter 36. Let me remind you. We've got a great thing planned next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, whether you come to Sunday school or not, I would plan on being here next Sunday at 9.45, meeting the new Family Life Center. Uh, we're going to have a great time. It's about stewardship, and it is about leaving and living a legacy uh, that will live beyond whatever time span you have here on this earth. Most of us have the sense to know that we're just, uh, we're just here temporary. We're not here for very long. Uh, we're a vapor, right? And so the, the focus of next Sunday's seminar uh, with Dr. Jeff will be a time where he's going to talk to the Sunday school time at 945. Uh, all adults will meet in the New Family Life Center in the open area, and uh, he will give a seminar in there. And then he's actually preaching next Sunday uh, from this pulpit along the same theme, but a little more directed through Scripture. So I pray that you'll be here at 945 next Sunday and then again for the worship service at 11 because I know that you're going to be blessed because I think sometimes even good Christian brothers and sisters forget uh, that church is more than just coming and sitting and soaking and souring on a Sunday. Uh, what we do out there uh, can really make an impression on people and part of how we live is stewardship. And I know it's not talked about a lot, and I know sometimes we just think that that means money, but stewardship means much more than money. So please, don't minimize it, and please be here uh, for that great time. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Job chapter 36. Job chapter 36, and if you're physically able, we invite you to stand for this time of reading from God's Word. Job 36. This is a continuation of of Elihu's lecture. Remember, Job had suffered greatly, lost possessions, lost family, and uh, lost his health, and he questioned things. And it's not so much our questions that are the problem. Oftentimes, it's the answers that we get that we don't like. Most of the time, the problem is the, the answer to our questions, and we're like, mm, I need a second opinion. But Elihu is continuing in his response to Job. Remember, so far, Job had spoken, Bildad had spoken, Eliphaz had spoken, Zophar had spoken, and this young man that we don't know a lot about other than his name is Elihu, he had waited patiently, and he's finally letting her rip. And so here's what he says. Then Elihu continued saying, Be patient with me a little longer, and I will inform you, for there is still more to be said on God's behalf. I will get my knowledge from a distant place and ascribe justice to my Maker." For my arguments are without flaw. One who has perfect knowledge is with you. Yes, God is mighty, 
but he despises no one. He understands all things. He does not keep the wicked alive, but he gives justice to the afflicted. He does not remove his gaze from the righteous, but he seats them forever with enthroned kings, and they are exalted. If people, if people, if that, this is to someone here today, if people are bound with chains and trapped by the cords of affliction, God tells them what they have done and how arrogantly they have transgressed. He opens their ears to correction and insists they repent from their iniquity. If they serve him obediently, they will end their days in prosperity and their years in happiness. But if, there's another if, if they do not obey, they will cross the river of death and die without knowledge. Join me as we pray. Dear Most Gracious Heavenly Father, we again thank you for this day and this time that you've given us such a beautiful Lord's Day to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord God, today speak to your people. There may be some that are distracted. There may be some that are dealing with tremendous burdens and tremendous issues in their life. But if they'll just turn to you, God, I pray that their hearts would be open and receptive to the moving of your Holy Spirit, to the reading of your Holy Word. That, God, we not just go through the motions. That we wouldn't just say, well, we had church. Check it off our list. But we would truly worship you today from the bottom of our heart, a heart of gratitude that says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done. And thank you for what you're going to do. God, to you be all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Hide me behind that old rugged cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me continue as I read. Those who have a godless heart harbor anger. Are you harboring anger today? Are you here today and bitter about something? Instead of being bitter, you ought to look at getting better. One letter can make all the difference. Go from being bitter to getting better. Those who have a godless heart harbor anger even when God binds them. They do not cry for help. They die in their youth. Their life ends among male cult prostitutes. God rescues the afflicted by their affliction. He instructs them by their torment. Indeed, he lured you from the jaws of distress to a spacious and unconfronted, unconfined place. Your table was spread with choice food, yet now you are obsessed with the judgment due the wicked." Judgment and justice have seized you. Be careful that no one lures you with riches. Do not let a large sum or a large ransom lead you astray. Can your wealth or all your physical exertion keep you from distress? Just ask Robin Leach and the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Those people may have had nice homes and nice yachts and nice furniture and nice amenities. But many of them were just as dark and destitute on the inside as you can imagine. Do not long for the night when nations disappear from their places. Be careful that you do not turn to iniquity, for that is why you have been tested by affliction. Look, God shows himself exalted by his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has appointed his way for him? And who has declared you have done wrong? Remember that you should praise his work, which people have sung about. All mankind has seen it. People have looked at it from a distance. Yet God is exalted beyond our knowledge. The number of his years cannot be counted. For he makes water drops evaporate. They distill the rain 
and to its mist, which the clouds pour out and shower abundantly on mankind. Do you know, again, this is the oldest book the oldest book in the Bible. It's not the first book. The first book, as you know, in chronology is Genesis, which is about creation. But this is the oldest book. And he's declaring here a principle that Joe Haynes and meteorologists just discovered within the last few years. Actually, it goes back about 100 and 150 years. But think about this. The oldest book is declaring something to you about clouds and about weather that it took so-called smart people centuries to finally figure out. If they'd have just read Job, they'd have known it all along. Can anyone understand how the clouds spread out or how the thunder roars from God's pavilion? See how He spreads His lightning around Him and covers the depths of the sea? For He judges the nations with these. He gives food in abundance. He covers His hands with lightning and commands it to hit its mark. The thunder declares His presence. The cattle also the approaching storm. Elihu is continuing in his lecture and he mentions here a principle that I don't want you to neglect. He talked earlier about if people are bound with change. You and I live in a community that has a lot of people bound. There are a lot of people enslaved by addictions, enslaved by drugs, for instance, and other things. And they are in chains. They, they may not be in physical chains, but they are in chains nonetheless spiritually and even emotionally, many of them. There are many people that struggle with depression. Depression is real. Depression is real. Depression is real. And there are people that have these chains, and yet he says there, if, which is a contingency word that I learned in contract law, changes everything. If people are bound with chains and trapped by the cords of affliction, God will reveal, God will talk, God will tell you. So here's what I'm going to say to you today. If you're struggling, if you're bound, if you are caught in a trap, God will guide you. God will give you what you need if you'll just turn to Him and say, God, I can't, you can, I think I'll trust you. It's as simple as that, and yet we, we convolute this thing and make it so complicated. But Jesus, time and time again, said childlike faith. What is childlike faith? The most simplest faith. You think a child can describe to you their eschatology? <laughs> You think, you think a child can, can describe to you soteriology and the doctrine of sin? And yet, that child has a beautiful faith to trust and to just believe. And we become grown adults. Well, some of you are just grown children, amen. But we grow and we become adults and we lose that innocence and we lose that type of faith. What's wrong with us? Jesus used children as an example. He said, such is the kingdom of heaven. We go around thinking that the more we know, the more we do, the more we accomplish, that's what it's all about. That child has no accolades on their wall. You ain't never met a child, little child that has a me wall. Y'all know what a me wall is? Meanwhile, you walk into somebody's office and he's got every certificate he's ever gotten. He's got every diploma. He's got all these awards and all these trophies. Listen, I'm going to tell you what I like to do. I like to go to garage sales and get karate tournaments, karate champion tournaments. And I'm going to display them one day. And when people walk in, they're going to think, whoa, he's somebody. Man, you won that? Yeah, sure did. Went to a garage sale. 
Won it for a dollar twenty-five. Says first place. Listen, we become adults and we have a me wall and we have trophies and all that. But there's that little child that's just believing. There's that little child of their sweet innocence that has the faith that Jesus used as an example. But God will give you an opportunity to repent. But listen to me. Don't take it for granted. God will give you an opportunity to repent, but do not take it for granted that it will always be there. You see, the door, the door to repent will one day close. I don't know when that is. I have a Master's of Divinity degree, and I can't tell you when the door of repentance or the opportunity to repent will close for you. I don't know that. But I know one day it'll be too late. And you know what you're doing? You're gambling. And you're taking a huge risk with how long you're going to be here and how long you'll be able to live. One day I'll get this figured out. One day I'll get it right. One day I'll get baptized. One day I'll do what Diane did. One day I'll, I'll, I'll get right and I'll join that church. One day, one day, one day. You arrogant person. You're not even guaranteed your next breath. And yet in our pride and arrogance, we procrastinate. I'll do that one day. I'll get around to it one day. Don't assume there'll be tomorrow. When was the last time, by the way, you thought about what God saved you from? What were you like B.C., before Christ? When was the last time you really thought about, and it doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter whether you were 10 or whether you were 20 or whether you were 40, 50, 60, 70. Your age doesn't matter. What I'm asking you to think about is when was the last time you really thought about what God saved you from? He saved you from destruction of hell. He saved you from eternal torment. He saved you from, maybe some of you came out of a lifestyle of addiction and drugs. When was the last time you gave a lot of thought to what God saved you from? Now let's segue from that into thinking about when was the last time you thought about what God saved you for? So you know what He saved you from. But see, this is not a fire insurance policy. Well, I'll come to Jesus so I, I don't have to burn. <laughs> but He saved you for something. He saved you to do something. He saved you to serve. He saved you to love. He saved you to go. He saved you to become one of His followers. Not just so you can say, well, i got my fire insurance policy. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. Well, good for you, but eternity... What are you going to do right between now and eternity? What are you going to do today? What are you going to do now? What, not only do what did He save you from, but what did He save you for? I don't think a lot about those two things. But I'm going to tell you, He saved you for a reason. Because listen to me, if the goal of life was to get saved, then guess what would have happened when you said, I repent of my sins and I turn to Jesus as my Savior. Hoo, hoo. I fly away, oh glory, I Fly away. You'd be saved and go up right then. If the purpose of this life was we get saved, and that's, that's it right there, then he's bringing you home now. Come on. Here, there's your ticket. Come on. But he leaves you here to do something. Amen. And I know some of you are struggling with identity. Some of you have recently retired. Some of you recently changed jobs. Some of you are looking for jobs. Listen to me. Look up. Look up here. I'm going to tell you something. This has really been weighing on my heart, but each of us has a calling and a purpose. And each of us is gifted in different areas. 
And when we figure out where we're gifted, and we figure out where we can serve in this church, you talk about hitting on all cylinders. You're talking about a well-oiled, fine-tuned machine. When we can find it, and it doesn't matter where you're at in age, because I, I, I've heard, overheard some comments. Well, I've done my time. This ain't a prison sentence. <laughs> it's, it's time for somebody else to step up. I served my time. Angola was rough. Oh, it's time for somebody else now. <laughs> it's, it's a, it is a blessing to serve. It's not, well, I got to go to church today. I get to go to church today. There are people in Korea and China and Iran that would love the freedom and privilege that you have that we take for granted. Well, uh, it's my day to work in the nursery. I got to work in the nursery. You get to work in the nursery. You get to look at those precious little babies and, and go, and pinch those little cheeks softly. softly. We may need to edit that on Facebook. You get to love on babies. You get to minister to the most precious lives that God has given us. Well, I got to go up to the church and cut grass. I got to? You get to. You see, it's all a mindset. It's all a perspective. It's all how we look at things. And unfortunately, we don't only really think about what God saved us for, what God saved us to do. Again, if it was salvation was the only goal, then boom, He'd snatch you right then. Take you up. Look at Job 37. <clears throat> My heart pounds at this and leaps from my chest. Just listen to his thunderous voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He lets it loose beneath the entire sky. His lightning to the ends of the earth. Then there comes a roaring sound. God thunders with his majestic voice. Elihu is preparing Job because God is about to speak. You remember that old ad campaign when E.F. Hutton speaks? People listen. When God speaks, the whole world should listen. Then there comes a roaring sound. God thunders with His majestic voice. He does not restrain the lightning when His rumbling voice is heard. Verse 5, God thunders marvelously with His voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For He says to the snow, fall to the earth. And the torrential rains, His mighty torrential rains, serve as His sign to all mankind so that all men may know His work. The wild animals enter their lairs and stay in their dens. The windstorm comes from its chamber and the cold from the driving north winds. Ice is formed by the breath of God and watery expanses are frozen. He saturates clouds with moisture. He scatters his lightning through them. They swirl about, turning round and round in his direction, accomplishing everything he commands them over the surface of the inhabited world. He causes this to happen for punishment for his land or for his faithful love. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. When was the last time? I hope it was yesterday evening. Well, if you were out driving around yesterday evening and you didn't stop on your way to Walmart and look up at the clouds and how majestic and beautiful with all the area storms going on, there was a movement coming through and it was just beautiful and it looked like an artist 
had just painted a canvas in the sky. When was the last time you appreciated a sunset? I'm not even going to ask about a sunrise because I know what most of you are doing at that time. (laughs) But when was the last time that you stopped to look at creation? Do you know how God directs His clouds or makes their lightning flash? Do you understand how the clouds float? Those wonderful works of Him who has perfect knowledge? You whose clothes get hot when the south wind brings calm to the land, can you help God spread out the skies as hard as a cast metal mirror? Teach us what we should say to him. We cannot prepare our case because of our darkness. Should he be told that I want to speak? Can a man speak when he is confused? Now man cannot even look at the sun when it is in the skies, and a wind has swept through and cleared them away. Yet out of the north he comes, shrouded, In a golden glow, awesome majesty surrounds him, the almighty El Shaddai. We cannot reach him. He is exalted in power. He will not oppress justice and abundant righteousness. Therefore, men fear him. He does not look favorably on any who are wise in heart. When God speaks, the whole world should listen. But can we just be honest? We thought... 9-11 would change things. Go back a few generations, people thought World War II would change things. People thought the Great Depression would change things. People have thought that all of these tragedies and all of these events, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, COVID, they thought, oh, this is finally going to change. This is really going to shake some things up. But we go right back to the routine. God's trying to get our attention. And some of us are too busy to even notice. I read this quote this past week. A gem cannot be polished without friction, nor a man perfected without a trial. A gem cannot be polished without friction, and a man cannot be perfected without a trial. We love the beautiful gemstones when they're polished and pretty, but it took friction to get to that point. The polishing took effort and work and friction, and that's what causes the beautiful shine. Elihu warned that God was about to speak to prepare your heart and get ready. And so in Job 38, it says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Job was answered by God himself from a whirlwind, not in the calm, but out of the whirlwind. The stirring, the whirlwind. God speaks in whatever way he chooses. And in this way, he came out of the whirlwind, the chaos, the storm. Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Who supports its foundation? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and thick darkness its blanket? When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place? When I declared you may come this far, but no farther, your proud waves shall stop here. 
Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place? So it may seize the edges of the earth and shake the wicked out of it. The earth is changed as clay is by a seal. Its hills stand out like the folds of a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked and the arm raised in violence is broken. Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the oceans? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. (laughs) You sense the sarcasm there? Where is the road to the home of light? Do you know where darkness lives so you can lead it back to its border? Are you familiar with the path to its home? Don't you know? You were already born. You have lived so long, Job. Have you entered the place where the snow is stored? Or have you seen the storehouses of hell which I hold in reserves for times of trouble for the day of warfare and battle? What roads lead to the place where light is dispersed? Where is the source of the east wind that spreads across the earth? Who cuts a channel for the flooding rain or clears the way for lightning to bring rain on an uninhabited land, on a desert with no human life to satisfy the parched wasteland and cause the grass to sprout? Does the rain have a father? Who fathered the drops of dew? Whose womb did the ice come from? Who gave birth to the frost of heaven when water becomes as hard as stone and the surface of the watery depths is frozen? Can you fasten the chains of the Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Did you know he's talking about constellations in the oldest book of the Bible? The oldest book of the Bible, he is naming the constellations. Can you bring out the constellations in their season and lead the bear? It's another constellation. The bear and her cubs. Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you impose its authority on earth? Can you command the clouds so that a flood of water covers you? Can you send out lightning bolts and they go? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who put wisdom in the heart or gave the mind understanding? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the dust hardens like cast metal and the clods of dirt stick together? Can you hunt prey for a lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait within their lairs? Who provides the raven's food when it's young, cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Boy, I'm going to tell you something. When God responded, I just sense that anybody within earshot would have heard a big giant. Yeah. A gulp. To know that you are in His presence and He's asking you, can you do all this? Can you hold this earth on a 23 degree tilt that if it were just a half a degree off, we'd all burn up? Just another half a degree, we'd all fly off? Can you hold all this in the balance? Were you there when we made all this? Were you there when this was created? The humble, you know that had to humble Job. You know he had to step back and go, who am I to question? Who am I to think these things? But I want to point out again and reiterate that God spoke out of the whirlwind. God speaks to us in storms, in calamities, 
and tragedies. He speaks to us out of that whirlwind. And he asked Joe, who laid the cornerstone? Who did all these things? Were you there? What God is doing here is he's pointing out things that Joe can't even fathom. Joe can't even comprehend. Who told the ocean you could only go this far? God is establishing here his command, his authority, his power. And the thing that it's, it's also humbling to know is that not only did God command all this, create all this, and hold it all and all together, the Creator, not only did He do all that, but this same God wants a personal relationship with you and with me. This same God who created all this, who put the earth and its boundaries and its dimensions and, and, and said, let there be light and there was light. This same God, yes, that same God desires to have a personal relationship with you. He's not too distant. He's not too busy. He holds all this together and yet he says, come unto me. And he desires to know you and to walk with you daily and to be with you and to be your, your shield and your strength. He desires to have that intimacy with you. He's never too busy. He's never too distant. You know what the problem is? We're too busy. We're too distant. It's humbling to know that Job, in the middle of all that chaos, in the middle of all that, you know, when God spoke, Job said, Who am I? Who am I? Even though just days before he had said, why me? Why me? Now he's saying, who am I? That the God who created all this and holds it all together would even speak to me, would even talk to me, and would send his only son to die for me. Who am I? Let's pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for wanting to hear from us. Thank you so much for wanting to know us, wanting to have a relationship with us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And thank you that he wants to have that personal relationship with us. God, the problem is not our questions. Job certainly questioned some things and was very frustrated. The problem is not our questions. The problem most of the time is when we get an answer that we don't like. When you weigh on our hearts a commitment we need to make, a step we need to take, a relationship we need to walk away from, a relationship we need to renew, an apology that we need to make, when you speak to us and we don't like the answer, that is most of the problem right there. So today you've spoken to us through the reading of your word, by the moving of your Holy Spirit. And there's going to be people here today that didn't like what you said. They didn't like what they felt. They, they didn't like the answer that they got. And so they're just going to stay right where they are. There's not going to be any change even though they say, oh, I wish things would change. Even though they grumble and fuss and say, I wish I could do better. I wish I could do something. Today we need to set aside those excuses and distractions and get right with you. You've given us an opportunity to repent. 
We don't know when that opportunity door will shut. So if there's somebody here today that doesn't have that relationship with Jesus that's never been born again, no more excuses, no more distractions, get right today. Maybe there's somebody here that has made that decision, but like Diane, they, they need to be, take that step of obedience and be baptized. And still there may be others that are looking for a church to get plugged into, to serve, to grow, to use their gifts, to help. Father, whatever the need, I'll be standing down here. Brother Larry will be down here. We can pray with people. We can talk to people. Do what only you can do in this invitation, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?